Hey, welcome to another exciting weekly episode of Crystal Silence League Radio Hour, brought to you by Lucky Mojo Radio Network, and of course your sprightly Reverend John St. Germain, your jovial host this week. Well, hey, this is the first broadcast from the new Castle St. Germain. Of course, we moved from the old uh, Castle St. Germain into a uh, 110-year-old manor. And uh, it's a very interesting challenge when you move into an old house. Uh, the first challenge we had was that we have uh, two-pronged plugs, not three-pronged plugs, which means you know these are uh, partially grounded plugs. So we didn't know if we were going to blow fuses or not. I plugged in uh, my uh, my computer, my four printers, um, uh, my laptop, and everything else, and then turned everything on and hoped for the best. But we didn't blow. You know, you know, we have fuses here, not breakers. It's a hundred-year-old house. It's a wonder we have electricity at all. I'm, I'm surprised we don't have a lightning rod on top of the house and lightning strikes it and we have uh, power from that. So, uh, hey, beggars can't be true choosers. And, but we do not blow any fuses. We are broadcasting live this week from the new St. <coughs> Germain Manor. So why don't you do yourself a favor? and get yourself a, a caffeinated beverage because I'm told my voice is so relaxing people often fall asleep during the show. Not, I hope, from the content, but from the dulcet and mellifluous tones of St. Germain's voice. So, see you back in just a minute. Back. At least I hope I am. We're having trouble uh, launching the chat room, and usually our good producer, Troll Towerhead, tells me if anything's going wrong with sound or not. I may just be talking into an utter vacuum uh, because I don't know if I set my headphones up correctly or not, but I hope I am. And um, we'll try to get some um, chat going up here in a minute so people can tell me if um, we're having any sound glitches or not. Um, blog Talk Radio is like playing roulette. We play Blog Talk Roulette every week to see if anything's going to work or not. But um, at any rate, the Crystal Silence League was founded around 1917, for those of you who don't know, by an amazing man, uh, Claude Alexander Conlon, for the purpose of distributing positive thoughts and affirmations for all those in need of such comfort. And he did this through the agency of Crystal Balls. Uh, Mr. Conlon was a master um, adept at crystal project ball projection, and he gave crystal balls to members of the Crystal Silence League who would receive and send healing gift waves of mental power. And of course, when he passed into the silence around 1954, the league went with him until it was resurrected by adepts, magical adepts of the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church around 2009. On the internet, and you can go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org where you can find us. And you will find that prayer uh, petitions can be posted there for free. Prayer is always free at the Crystal Silence League. And we find that we get hundreds of prayers a week. And the pastors of the Crystal Silence League, of which I am one, 
we print these out and we put them on our altars and we pray for you. But more than that, members of the Crystal Silence League pray for each other. And when we do, we click on a little link and you get an email saying that members pray for you. Now, if you need to remove a prayer, and we get questions about this all the time, um, we don't have a way yet for you to remove your own prayer. So what you have to do is just report the prayer. Just hit the report button and add as the reason you wish to have your prayer removed. And we shall remove that for you. I'm going to have to ask you to excuse me for a minute because um, my cat Figaro is clawing my door down to get in. So just excuse me for one second while I let him in. Otherwise, what you're going to hear is a crazy cat. I'm going to tell you a story about him in just a moment, by the way. Do y'all got? Do you guys have cats? You know how cats are. They stay the place. Um, if you look on the slideshow, you'll see a picture of Figaro himself. And uh, uh, in this house, there are these amazing rooms that are is basically the attic, and it's divided in two. And one's in the bathroom, and one's in one of the rooms. And you open these doors, and it leads right into the attic. And it's unfinished. It goes right into the uh, the crawl space of the walls. And so we brought Figaro over, and he goes into the attic and disappears. I mean, he literally disappears. And then we hear sounds in the wall. And this insane cat uh, finds his way through the insulation into the very walls themselves, like some creature from an Edgar Allan Poe story. And when he emerges, he is... Now, he's an orange tabby cat, and a very large one. He emerges as black as a lump of coal. So I don't know what in the world is in those walls, but it's filthy, possibly soot from the chimneys. Okay, right now he's tearing up my carpet. Quit. God, you're a douchebag. Quit. And uh, and so we have all this beautiful new furniture. Uh, my wife has been scouring uh, uh, online flea markets and antique vintage places to buy this beautiful vintage furniture. And out comes this cat who looks like he's been rolling in a coal bin. And she's shrieking, oh, my God, Figaro, if you touch my furniture, I'm going to end you. So that's just life with a cat. you know. So now he's in my office trying to destroy everything I own. But we love him, and we're not going to kill him. And uh, for your entertainment pleasure, I put a picture of him uh, on the slideshow where even after we dusted him off, you see his feet, or it's like he's walked through a coal bin, leaving uh, feet behind every you know, footprints behind everything he touches. Now we could have left him at the old house, you see, um, for <laughs> for anybody else to inherit, uh, but we didn't. We brought him with us because we we do love him, and here he is on my desk right now with his huge lion-esque paws. He's as big as a mountain lion. He he, he, weigh, he weighs 17 pounds, and he's not fat. It's all muscle. He's I think his dad was a mountain lion that raped some domestic cat. And uh, we, you know, we ended up with the the hideous mutated offspring of that unholy union. Prayer is always free at the Crystal Silence League, and pray for us for having this monstrous cat invaded invading our lives. Who knows what he's going to do to our nice home now that he has free reign on it? Um, God help us all. Um, um, and um, I just got a message from Troll Towelhead that we're fine with the sound, um, but we, we can't seem to get the chat to connect. So um, maybe one of my um, producers might have better luck if they'll go in there and try to get the chat going, because it's just locking up on me. I think Blog Talk Radio is uh, having a glitch. It could be me. Um, it could be the many ghosts in my mansion interfering with it. You know, you never know. You, you never know. And right now my cat is trying to go on my laptop computer and uh, delete all the uh, files I have open for tonight's show. Let's talk about our crystal of the month. We'll go on to our prayers. Uh, <clears throat> our crystal of the month is citrine. Because um, tonight's show is about new beginnings, uh, starting over, rebooting, um, uh, moving from one phase to the next. And uh, citrine is a very good stone for that. Uh, citrine is a is a 
goes from bright yellow to orange, and uh, um, it resonates to the solar plexus chakra. And uh, the solar plexus chakra is where your your courage um, and adventure spirit uh, tends to come from. And um, so it's very good for that. It's a it's a radiant yellow color. It sometimes goes to orange, uh, occasionally brown. It's a form of quartz, um, <clears throat> and and so, so often when you start new adventures, uh, you're moving from one point to another. Uh, this is as a result of ending something. And uh, sometimes we, we go into a new part of our life voluntarily, and or sometimes we're thrust into it. And um, so citrine is... Uh, Interesting in that it never needs to be discharged or cleansed. It will not. It will not accumulate or hold any kind of negative energy. It transmutes it. Um, it changes it. It <clears throat> um, destroys it. It um, turns it into something else. But it will not hold negative energy of any sort. Um, often it'll take a negative energy and turn it into a shield. It, it's an amazing crystal because of that. And <clears throat> It's been used since ancient times as a protective stone, for that matter. It's also very good for wealth. Um, you can put it in your cash register, carry it on you. Um, it's very good for manifesting wealth and abundance. Uh, it's help, helpful if you're speculating in um, uh, money of any kind. It's very good for helping transitioning relationships. It will help attract new relationships. And... It's uh, and I don't know why more people don't use this. It's good to ward you away from uh, relationships that may be bad for you, and uh, it's also good for uh, keeping bad spirits or negative spirits away from an area. You can grid your house house with it. Um, in terms of elixirs, uh, you can use the direct method. Just um, put it directly in water. Uh, let it sit in the sun. Let the water take on its vibration, add a little bit of brandy to stabilize it, and you can sprinkle it around your house to dissipate negative energy and keep uh, bad spirits away. Um, <clears throat> it, uh, it also seems to clear mental fog. It, um, now, citrine, because it does work on the sacral chakra, um, can make you um, very adventurous. And if you're naturally hyper or aggressive, it can amplify that. So you have to be very careful about that and use it in moderation. If you're naturally um, aggressive or adventurous, it can amplify that and make you restless. So be, be cautious with citrine in that respect. Now, uh, this is the first time, by the way, I've ever let Figaro in my office in the the old studio, I never let him in because there were too many things he'd, he'd knock over. And I had one episode where I let him in, and all you could hear in the background was crash, boom, bang, bam, zoom, bang, bang, crash. And, and I'd mute the button and go, God damn it, Figaro, quit, stop, quit. And that uh, that episode of the Crystal Silence League was uh, was marked by, by a stream of constant profanity issuing from my lips. And sometimes I muted it, and sometimes I didn't get the mute button quite fast enough. Which is quite uh, amusing, I'm sure, to the uh, uh, many listeners who said, "Man, the Reverend is in in uh, quite a mood tonight, quite quite spirits." But um, uh, you know, uh, profanity can be used as a blessing. Did you know that? My father and my uncle swore by that. Um, they said you cannot do any kind of, of physical labor, like building a house, uh, without blessing it with profanity. Uh, no, no man work. They said. Um, home repair, car work, fixing anything. You cannot fix anything without blessing it with profanity. That was uh, that was a cardinal rule uh, with my father and my uncle. You know, when you're hammering nails, you had to, you had to, the nails would not stay in place unless you curse them. Uh, you know, you, you had to cuss them. If you're, if you're uh, fixing your car, the repair will not take unless you bless it with profanity. This was... Uh, this was belief. It was a firm belief. It was it was a physical law of the universe in my family. Uh, what a segue to go into our weekly prayers, eh? Um, uh, people post hundreds of prayers, 
on our Crystal Silence League website. I'm kind of glad that the chat room isn't up. I'd be looking here, people going, what's wrong with you this week, Reverend? Well, what's wrong is that I'm, I'm practically insane from... <laughs> From exhaustion, we've uh, we've been moving for six weeks, uh, been carrying hundreds of boxes and upstairs and everything, and uh, fixing stuff and building things. And uh, uh, we had the big movers yesterday. They moved uh, the king size bed and the big dresser and all that, and we're still working. Um, this is what hard labor does to someone who's almost sixty. It it just makes you crazy. Um, you know, I've still been doing readings and root work, too, during all that, because if I don't work, I don't get paid. It's not like if I, you know, I can't say, hey, you know, I'm going to take a take a month off from work. You know, I have accumulated vacation time. I don't have that. You know, I'm self-employed. If I, if I don't work, I don't get paid. I've still been working. And, and also, I, you know, I love my clients. Um, you know, I love you guys. I, I don't want to leave you hanging. If I if I take a week off, um, you, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you, you need me. I know you need me. I need you, too. You know, I love you guys. So anyway, I have prayers here. It's been my custom to print out a whole bunch of these, and we read them aloud on the air, and we pray. It's kind of like the luck of the draw, you know, reach into the uh, the pool of prayers and pull some people out. We pray for them on the air. So why don't you join me in uh, prayer for some of these uh, these folks, and we'll uh, and pray for Figaro, pray for his soul. If anybody's going to go to hell, it's Figaro. So let's. Uh, Let's pray for some of these nice folks. And I will just use prayer ID. We'll not name any names, although I have your names right here, and in my mind I say them. But we're just going to use the prayer ID number. So let's start, shall we? Prayer ID number 57789, who says, My husband is self-employed and works from home. I'm a stay-at-home mom of three and work part-time. I find that it's hard for me to have alone in me time as my husband and I are around each other all the time. He's totally okay with it, but I feel like I need space. I leave the town, the house often to go to the gym, run errands, etc., but avoid being home a lot and neglect my house duties because I feel like he's always in my space. I wish that he starts traveling more or is away more, but I feel badly needed balance. Um, I don't know what the prayer here is. Um, um, it sounds like uh, the two of you need to talk about this. So um, I pray that the two of you find the ability to communicate about this and um, uh, you know find a compromise with this because I'll tell you that a couple does need space you do need time apart so that the time together you have is precious um, you know may you find that amen prayer ID number five seven seven eight eight please pray why will trust me and enter into a relationship with me for what was destroyed by someone else. Thank you, everyone. Love, light, and God. Amen. Prayer ID number 57787. May God touch, see, heart, and fill him with faith and peace. May he, may he bless him and protect him. May he fill him with hope once more. In Jesus' name, amen. And prayer ID number 57786. I love my girlfriend with all my heart. And she left me because she didn't have the courage to face her parents and tell them about us. Oh, that's a shame. I've remained friendly with her mainly because I want her back. She's flirted with me, told me she still feels like she's mine. I was happy. Then I made a harmless joke, and she turned on me. She's nasty, mean, and heartless, but I'm still there for her. Please pray her heart thaws. I want her to be kind and loving again. Amen. Prayer ID number 57785. <clears throat> Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Glory to thee, O Lord. Glory to thee. Amen. I am disabled in public housing in Seattle, Washington. Some witches are attacking me because I stand for righteousness. Please place ministers of Hare, Sweet, Jesus, Christo, Meta, Panton, Hageon, Amen, around me. <clears throat> Prayer ID 57784. I pray and wish that a man whose initial is J would just call me. Amen. Prayer ID number 57783. Please pray for my son who desperately needs your prayers and God's help. He takes drugs and is suffering emotionally from issues that have engulfed him in hate and anger and is creating chaos and pain for everyone around him. We love him and want him to get better to make a great life for himself and for his son. I ask for God's mercies and your prayers that my son makes the decision to do whatever he needs to free himself of the demons of drugs, alcohol, and anger. 
before he ends up in prison. Amen. Prayer ID number 57782. Please pray that loves come my way today. Amen. Prayer ID number 57781. Do anyone know where kitties go after they die? I miss my kitty who died, and I want to know whether I will see him again when I die. At the end of this, I want to read something to you called the Rainbow Bridge. If I don't do that, remind me, please. Prayer ID number 57780. I asked prayer before for this kitty. I think this may be the same person. Maybe. I asked prayer before for this kitty with a broken or injured paw. He lived outside. That we fed him since he was a baby. I have a bad news that he passed away. It is the same person. We tried to catch him to get him to vet. And he was very clever, and we couldn't catch him. His paw and leg got infected to the point where the abscess was dripping out of his leg, and he was drooling gooey greenish drops, and he would not eat, and he looked so sick. I talked to him the day before he passed away. I'm heartbroken, and I miss him. Bless his heart. I hope he went to kitty heaven. Prayer ID number 57779. Praise the Lord. My name is V.N. From Hyderabad, India. I was working in software development firm and got married late. I'm now 40 years of age. I had two miscarriages earlier, and we've been trying since long and now worried. Every day I shed my tears. I'm a born again in Christ, took baptism in 1996. I never miss Sunday Mass and participate in revival meetings, special prayers meetings, all night prayers. Please pray to Lord Jesus to bless us with children, your sister in Christ. Amen. Prayer ID number 57777. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Some witches are attacking me because I stand for righteousness. This is actually another person than the one before. There's been a lot of uh, occult activity and attacking. Um, I get more calls about that um, in the past year and a half than I have in the previous five years. Prayer ID number 5773. Please pray that I can completely remove all positive and negative feelings toward my ex. Stop feeling the need to cross him constantly and just see him as a part of my past and nothing more. Thank you. You need a cut and clear, sister. You need a cut and clear. Prayer ID number 57772. I pray for in the blood of Jesus, removal and protection from negative entities and occult practices from others and psychic attacks. Cleansing and well-being in my home. Amen. What I tell you? Prayer ID number 57770. Please inspire RM to return to me. Please let him come forward with communication and love and consistency. Let him come back to me to enter into a relationship with one another. Let us try with each other again. Fill our hearts with love and happiness for all our days. Amen. Let's do just one more. Prayer ID number 57766. I come to seek thy prayers. My husband, who is 54 years old, continues to have an affair with his older brother's wife. Oh, how how tawdry. I am bewildered, heartbroken, upset. We have two kids. I can't take it anymore. For years they have been in this adulterous affair. I seek justice for me and ask for prayers for these two to stop immediately. Break off this illicit affair. I still love my husband, but I want justice. Thank you for my broken heart. Amen. Let's have a moment of silence and prayer for all those in need of comfort and relief and justice.
Amen. I want to read you this. Uh, this is for everyone who's ever lost a pet. And uh, I have this on a card I give to people, too, who come to me and they're, uh, they're bereaved over an animal. And it's called the Rainbow Bridge. And uh, I'll try to read this to you. Just this side of heaven is a place called the Rainbow Bridge. When an animal dies that has been especially close to someone here, that pet goes to the Rainbow Bridge. There are meadows and hills for all of our special friends so they can run and play together. There's plenty of food, water, and sunshine, and our friends are warm and comfortable. All the animals who had been ill and old are restored to health and vigor. Those who are hurt or maimed are made whole and strong again, just as we remember them in our dreams of days and times gone by. The animals are happy and content, except for one small thing. They each miss someone very special to them who had to be left behind. They all run and play together, but the day comes when one suddenly stops and looks into the distance. His bright eyes are intent. His eager body quivers. Suddenly, he begins to run from the group. Flying over the green grass, his legs carry him faster and faster. You have been spotted. And when you and your special friend finally meet, you cling together in joyous reunion, never to be parted again. The happy kisses rain upon your face. Your hands again caress the beloved head. And you look once more into the trusting eyes of your pet, so long gone from your life but never absent from your heart. Then you cross Rainbow Bridge together. That's for all of you who have ever lost a beloved pet. Well, tonight's topic... is beginning anew, starting something new. That's just uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, I'll tell you that we spent a long a long time, and I'm, I mean a long time, we spent easily a year and a half looking at houses before one called to us and said home. And uh, I'm going to tell you, if, you, if you don't think houses have a conscience, um, you've never, you've never uh, lived in a, evil house or, or a, uh, a house that you were meant to have. Uh, um, I first came across this idea of houses that had consciousness um, when I read The Haunting of Hill House and um, by Shirley Jackson. Not Shirley Jackson. Uh, yeah, it was Shirley Jackson. Uh, the... Uh, um, and I, I, I could sense I, I knew that it was something I already knew, and I was glad to see uh, it was it was put into um, into words that houses had sentience that they built they absorbed the consciousness of people who lived in them. And of course, Stephen King wrote about that about the Marston House and uh, Salem's Lot. And I will tell you that when you find the place you're meant to be. And this is not just with a house, but in life itself. Heaven and earth come together to welcome you. And <clears throat> when you walk into the house that is meant to be your home, the house welcomes you. When you walk into the job that's meant to be yours, the job welcomes you. And when you meet the person that you're meant to be with, your hearts recognize each other. That's why I just think if something's too hard... Um, it may not be it may not be correct it just may not be the right fit now not always you know sometimes there's a type of determination that you feel that you know by god this is going to happen and sometimes reality resists when you try to make changes to it that's just the way it is but if something is just too hard um and there, there, there's a type of resistance that's reality bending uh, to change. You know, there's an equal and opposite reaction that's natural. But then there's a type of difficulty that is just wrong. And sometimes it might be hard to tell the difference. But <clears throat> um, if, if it's making you unhappy... I think is the thing. There's there's a type of resistance reality throws at you that makes you unhappy, rather than makes you rise to the challenge. 
there's a type of challenge that engenders growth and a type of challenge that just destroys you. Um, so if the challenge is something that has an element of karma to it, I guess, where you it, it, it teaches you lessons, you grow from it, then this makes sense. You know, there's an achievable goal at the end of it. There's an end game to it. Then that's something that's okay. But if if it's a type of resistance that's just beating you down and and killing you, then that doesn't make sense. And you know, this is something that you think you could recognize. Now, um, uh, this is why when I advise people when they're doing spell work or projection work, it may not be the best thing to do to set a specific goal. And what I mean by that is I am going to have that person. I'm going to have that job. I'm going to have that house. But rather, to put it in the hands of the divine mind, to send it out there, put it in the hands of God, put it in the hands of the universe, put it in the hands of somebody that knows more than you do, put it in the hands of the spirit, people that, you know, put it in the hands of beings that see much further down the road and have much broader perspective than we do. We have a very short vision and very limited wisdom, and we're blinded by our own lack of objectivity, which is why psychics and readers should not do readings for themselves. And I will tell you why. There were there were psychic readers who put readings on Facebook. They had they had like a three card read during the election. And they said, Look, my, my reading shows that Hillary will win and I looked at those cards and I said, I don't know what system you're using, but by classical readings, those readings are showing that Trump is going to win by a very narrow margin. But Trump is going to win. And you see, the readers were twisting the reading for which they were using wishful thinking. Now, a lot of readers say, well, I don't use traditional systems. I read by my intuition, which means that basically they look at cards and whatever pops into their head. Well, if that were the case, whatever popped into their head was what they wanted to see, and that was a Hillary win. But in many cases, what they were throwing on that table and putting on Facebook and someone told me, um, now, I do numerology, and numerologically, Trump had it. His 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 um, life cycle pinnacles were on the rise. Hillary's life cycle pinnacle was on the decline. It's the third pinnacle. And numerologically, Trump had it. I, I did not want to put it out. I didn't even want to say it. I was hoping a meteorite or something would hit the earth before that happened. But two of the leading numerologists said... Hillary had this win, and I had no idea how they arrived at that through numerology. And uh, my conclusion was they told people what they wanted to hear, and they told people what the polls were saying. So this is why people should not do readings for themselves, because it's almost impossible, and I'm going to say this very strongly, it's almost impossible to be objective about your own life unless... There's a mental disorder involved. Psychopaths can be objective about their own life because they lack they lack subjectivity. And I actually talked to a woman at a, at a party who said she did readings for herself. And I said, "How can you be subjective about uh, how can you be objective about your own life?" I said, "That's not possible." And she goes, "Oh, I just stepped aside and let spirit talk to me." And said, okay, you know, you're first of all, first of all, you're so drunk that. I'm getting high just off your breath, and secondly, that's bullshit. But you, you cannot be objective about your own life. And uh, so, you know, I don't do readings for myself. That's, I did when I was a kid, and I, I, I looked at a reading once that said, that said um, specifically, I was, I was making huge mistakes in this area about, uh, well, it was about a woman, and it said, no, don't, don't, do not, absolutely don't. And... Um, and I said, well, uh, you know, this – I'm not reading this right. You know, this, this says that um, I should go with this one. <laughs> and, oh, my God, it was it was utter misery. So uh, I, when uh, there was this woman I was really attracted to, she had a, she had a funny name, too. I, lo I love the idea of dating this woman because of her name. And uh, she had a, a magnificent um, derriere, 
too. Uh, that just made me weak in the knees. And uh, I asked one of my friends who was a psychic, his name was Arthur, a wonderful psychic reader. I said, tell me about this woman. And he goes, oh, John, no, no, no. I said, oh, but Arthur, I, man, I just I just get dizzy when I think about her. He said, those are hormones. That's hormones, John. He said, wait two weeks and that'll pass. And I said, man, I just, I just can't stop thinking about her, Arthur. And he said, John, listen to me. Do you trust me? I said, yes, I do. You've never steered me wrong. He said, don't, don't. And, you know, sure enough, um, you know, I was going out with her just now and again. And, uh, and, uh, she said, um, um, I need to go. She said, you know, I need you to take me to the clinic and, um, I need to get a test. And I said, Oh, and she said, well, you know, I slept with my manager, and he gave me the clap. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so I took her to the clinic, and I took her home, and I said, you know, I don't think I want to see you anymore. And uh, so, you know, Arthur was right. And uh, and I said, why did you sleep with your manager? She said, well, you know, don't you ever just sometimes, you know, do animal stuff and do things without thinking about it, just on instinct? I said, no, no, I don't do anything. I always think obsessively about everything I do. And she goes, oh, John, you're just so... You know, you lack spontaneity. And I said, yes, and you got the clap. <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, if, but if I'd gone by my instincts, I, would have, I, I too would have had the clap, and I've never had the clap. <laughs> so, um, um, because, you know, these were the days before AIDS, by the way. We'd never heard of AIDS. This was in the um, um, early 80s. We we never heard of the AIDS. We never heard of AIDS. Back then, back then, if you got a, a got venereal disease, the worst thing that happened, you'd go get antibiotics, and uh, that was the worst thing that could happen. You didn't die from lack of judgment. You, you didn't. And uh, then when AIDS came along, things changed. When we first started hearing about AIDS, things really changed. Um, back in the eighties, everybody slept with everybody, except. Except you know I didn't I didn't I, I was a very strange kid I, I I did not I was that's when I knew I was a reincarnated Buddhist because I I was I was like this weird little kid teenager I said you know you know you know you all shouldn't be doing that it's it's not good for you I didn't drink either or smoke pot I'm going off on a tangent I'm sorry but I want to, I want to tell you that that bereavement will occur when you initiate change from one phase to another, even if it's a positive change. And isn't that funny? Uh, let's say you live in a dump, and you've lived in a dump most of your life, and then life changes, you get a better job. You will mourn when you leave that dump. And this is because um, you leave behind memories. And say you're in a relationship, an intimate relationship, and um, you get dumped or you do the dumping, um, you know, people uh, come to someone like me, and they've been dumped, and they're angry. But you know, the person who did the dumping is also upset. They can't, you can't help it. And uh, even if the guy, the guy is a douchebag, or the woman is an evil bitch, you know, these are the terms that people use. They too experience stress and bereavement. This cannot be helped um, because um, you cannot. Um, change, make any kind of major change in your life without some kind of stress happening consciously. And this is because, and this was something that I had always suspected, and I was really glad that um, science came with it. Um, if you're with people any length of time in any, any kind of intimacy, um, people develop a kind of shared memory. And um, and this this is very very strange, uh, but we talked on one show about how I feel that our consciousness, our our at least our identity, our sense of self, may not be isolated to one brain, but we share it among many different people. And what I found when I grew older, friends I've had for twenty five or thirty years, as they died. I felt a great sense of loss that part of my history had died with them. And it occurred to me that I I give part of my personal identity to people I've known for a long time. They're they're a repository or guardian a part of my self. And that is a, a very real thing. 
they know things about me I may have forgotten. They're a repository, a part of myself. And by self, I mean the continuity of personal narrative. And so when you are with somebody for any length of time in a relationship, they become part of your personal narrative. And so when you break up, they take a part of your personal narrative with you, with them, even if they are the one who dumped you. So, um, not surprisingly, people who um, are dumped feel more distressed than the person who dumped them. But it's still, it's surprisingly, uh, the person who did the dumping are also upset. It surprises them sometimes. You know, they say, well, you know, this is good for me to do the breakup. I know it's good for me, and I'm one out of this relationship. And then they're often surprised to find that they're really upset, too. And believe me, I know this. You know, if you do what I do, you know this. People come in and say, yeah, you know, I, I just, you know, gosh, you know, this guy was crazy, you know, or this woman was crazy, but I miss them. And what they're missing is that part of the personal narrative that they no longer have. And... Psychologists call this identity disruption. A part of you is missing. And it's the same if you lose a job. It's the same if you lose a house. It's the same if you lose a location. And you see, this is the mistaken belief that you can improve your life by changing something in it. That alone will not improve your life. There's a thing called the geographical cure you may have heard of. This is when you screwed your life up so badly, you think, well, I'm going to get on an airplane and go somewhere else and start all over, and my life will get better. But you know what they say? Uh, there's a saying in the 12-step program about the geographical cure. They say, well, an asshole gets on the airplane in uh, New York, and an asshole gets off the airplane in Florida. <clears throat> you know, Pardon my language, but that's what they say. Um, it won't change anything. It really doesn't. Uh, but there's a mistaken belief that it will. So if you're in a relationship with somebody and the problem is you and you break up with the other person and start another relationship thinking your problems are going to go away, that's a mistaken assumption. If you're in a job and you find yourself um, not getting along with anybody, not getting along with your boss, arguing with your boss, thinking – you know, there's a lot of problems there, and you think, well, this job isn't for me, and you quit, and you go to get another job, and the same thing happens. The problem ain't the job. If you're unhappy in a place, and you move to another place, and you're still unhappy, boom. And I'm going to tell you a, a story that changed my life after station identification. LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Ruler Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Candelo's Corner with Candelo Camusa and Michael Carell, Mondays 5 to 7, The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, Bitter Foxy with Madame Naya and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays 6 to 7, The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursday 6 to 7.30, The Wish the Priestess in the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Friday 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Western, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific. Add three hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curie Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Once I was sitting around reading a lot of Buddhism, the Pali Canon is a huge, um, the Buddhist Bible, the Pali Canon. It's about seven feet of bookshelf. And uh, I'm looking at it even as I speak. I've got a nice new bookshelf. It's a 100-year-old bookshelf to match my 100-year-old house. And um, there's a story. It's called The Jackal. And in some translations, it's a dog. But the original, it's a jackal. And the story goes, the Buddha was uh, uh, preaching to a lot of his uh, bhikkhus, his disciples. And he goes, look, look, you see that jackal? And the jackal had mange. It had terrible mange. And the jackal laid down on some rocks and then it got up and laid down on some grass then it got up and laid down in some mud and it got down and laid in the middle of the dirt and it got up and laid down in a field 
and it just restlessly kept laying down on all these different surfaces. And the Buddha said to his disciples, do you see what the jackal is doing? And they said, no, Master, what is he doing? He said, he's trying to find a place where the itch is not. And I put the book down, and I sat there for a full hour letting that sink in. And something in me changed. I said, the jackal's trying to find a place where the itch is not. And even telling you the story now, I have goosebumps. Because that story, that one story, this is why I am such a devout follower of Buddhism. Nothing I've ever read before or since made such a significant change as that one story. And I've, I've read five or six um, suttas in the Pali Canon that have had immense impact on me. That one story, he's looking for a, that one line, he's looking for a place where the itch is not, changed me. Is it changing you? I mean, do you get it? That is the essence, the essence of the human dilemma. We're looking for a place where the itch is not. We go from job to job, from relationship to relationship, from, hey, the chat room is up, from hobby to hobby, from lover to lover, from life to life, from interest to interest, from experience to experience, with this itch that we can't ever find, a, 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 we can't ever scratch it, we can't ever stop it from itching. We're, we're looking for a place where the itch is not. We never can find that scratch. It's like that spot on your back you can never scratch. We're like that jackal or that dog, depending on how the story's told, looking for a place where the itch is not. And my God, we spend birth to death doing that. And if you understand that, if you can just get your mind around that, it will change your life and you'll stop looking for the place where the itch is not and you'll be at peace. You will be at rest. And you can find that spot. You can find it in your mind for uh, for five minutes. You'll be at peace. If you can find it for one minute, you'll know where to be at peace. If you can find it in your mind for one second, you'll have a peaceful spot in your mind. You can be free from that itch for a second. You'll you'll know peace because you can find it. If you find that itch, you can just say, "Okay, I'm I want to go to that place where the itch isn't." You got to have one. You got to have a moment. You got to have one place somewhere where that itch is not. You may not live an itch-free life, but you got to have one place where that itch is not. Because otherwise, you're like that jackal. You'll lay in the road. You'll lay in the gravel. You'll lay in the field. You'll lay in the mud. You'll lay in the water. You'll lay on the rock. Always trying to find a place, trying to get away from that itch. And you're always taking it with you, job to job, interest to interest. Pursuit to pursuit, lover to lover, experience to experience, trying to find satisfaction, always taking that itch with you. And, you know, that's why all my life I was trying to find something satisfying, something that made me happy, something that made me feel good about myself until I read that one line. He's looking for a place where the itch is not. And something in me changed so profoundly that my mind was completely motionless for about a full hour. It's trying to grasp that. And I saw the futility of trying to get away from the itch. That was the main thing. I said, the futility of trying to get away from the itch. You take the itch with you. And I'm probably going on too long about it, but man, it's such an important thing. It is so important. Because you understand that a man is becoming president who is nothing more than that mangy jackal. That's the main drive that man has. 
he is so covered with itch that he can't he cannot scratch it enough. It is that itch that is driving him. He has no peace. He does not know what peace is. And how and the, the people who elected him they they itch. They they're furiously itching. And we itch. And if we have the self-awareness to know we're taking the itch with us, we can find a moment of peace. So we know, we know when we move away from something old, we experience distress. That's because we're moving away from one itch. We're looking for something, something that will make us itch less. And do you know when I talk to most people, you know, happiness to most people is that they hurt or they itch a little bit less than they itched yesterday. And um, so, what what I'm trying these days is to get my clients and get people I talk to toward what I think of in my mind as self-concept clarity. You know, who are you and where are you going? What do you want? You know, who are you and what do you want? And I think if you know who you are and what you want, you can get away from that itch for a while. And what most people say, well, I want to be happy. Well, what does that entail? When you see, your, when you visualize yourself being happy, what does that mean? And I want to tell you that that's a hard question for a lot of people. Um, especially when I'm talking to people who've just gone through some trauma. And I'm going to tell you that there's no greater catalyst for change than some trauma in your life, a breakup, loss of a job, uh, some kind of explosive event. If you want to see someone who took a explosive event, a tragedy, and turn it around, uh, look up Buckminster Fuller who was uh, a scientist, an architect, a philosopher. Um, he was at the utter bottom of his life. We don't have time to get into Maybe next week we'll talk about him. But at the bottom of his life, he was contemplating ending his life. Worst thing that possibly could happen, you know, this was a parent who lost his daughter. His wife left him. He was contemplating ending his own life, and he said, you know what? I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing. I'm at ground zero. I'm at zero point, which means I can go from here and do anything. I can completely rewrite. This is someone who took having everything taken away from him, and he saw it as an as an opportunity to rewrite. And I, you know, I'll tell you, in my life, I've started over many times. I, I built up, had it, you know, stripped away. And built up many times. So, um, so again, I always think if if you find yourself with an urge, you find yourself in a rut. You find yourself with an urge to start all over. You find yourself um, experiencing uh, having things taken away from you by a breakup or loss of a job or bereavement. Um, there's going to be grief. There's going to be bereavement. There's going to be um, a mourning period. Allow yourself to go through that. And I'm a uh, I'm a person who likes to organize. Organize your thoughts and see it as an opportunity to start all over. And understand that there is going to be some identity loss too. You, because if you're used to thinking of yourself as a member of a company, as a uh, person who lived in a certain location as part of a couple, part of that identity is gone now. But it also leaves space into which you can rewrite whatever you want. That's one of the beautiful things about it. Before, there was no, there were no blank pages there. Those pages were filled. 
And when I say blank pages, I mean that literally. Those pages were filled. I was part of a couple. You know, my name, my name is John. I am part of this couple. And a lot of this was not very good. And this is my life story. And I'm in this relationship. And I'm not appreciated. Now, this is not true for me now. I am very appreciated, but I'm not appreciated. And when I talk, no one listens. And often I'm being, being mean to, blah, blah, blah. That, now it's gone. And here are blank pages. Now you rewrite it. I'm John. I'm not in a relationship now. And I can do anything I want to do. And if I want to write a book, I can. If I want to learn to play a harp, I can. And no one can tell me I can't. And no one's yelling at me. And no one, if I want to go get a big dog and live with my dog, I can. No one's telling me I can't. And next time I have a relationship, it will be with someone that empowers me and tells me I'm beautiful and you know likes likes when I sing. You know, so you can completely rewrite into this space, and I mean literally rewrite it. Get a notebook and rewrite the life you want to live. You know, if you're moving to a new job, you write down. You know, I had this job. I didn't like it. Um, and um, this is the job I do want. And Figaro the cat just unplugged my monitor, so I don't know what's going on with uh, the studio. I told you he was a little devil. Um, I don't know how much time we have left, and I don't know um, how to get my monitor back. He unplugged it. So I'm just assuming we have uh, a few minutes left. We'll try to get the monitor back. Okay, it booted back up here. Um, but there we go. We have uh, two minutes left. Okay. And um, it was only a matter of time before Figaro did something to destroy my flow here. Um Write down, rewrite, rewrite your life story. Move into this new space. And once you write it down, it becomes law. It is law. It becomes the manifestable, is that a word? The manifestable reality. So with that thought, with that thought in mind, if you find yourself in an untenable reality, What's stopping you from ending it in moving forward into a new reality? Um, the ego fears change. We know that. The ego fears change. It resists. We're afraid that the old us um, will resist that change. The old, the old us will die. And uh, don't get me started on that. Um, you know, the death card in tarot, that's the that's the common interpretation. You know, people say, oh, death doesn't mean death. It means that the ego fears change, the old you have to die for the new you to come in. I, ca I call BS on that. Death is death. I mean, look at the card. Death is death. And uh, I will um, I will tell you how I interpret death. I meant to tell you that earlier. Um, um, death reminds us that we don't have as much time as we think. Death is always behind us. And, you know, I could die right now while I'm talking to you especially if Figaro doesn't quit bothering me here. Um, there's a story in Buddhism where a man died and he's standing before the Lord of the Dead, and uh, the Lord of the Dead said, My good man, did you not see the three war warners I sent to you, old age, sickness, and death? He said, Well, no, I didn't. And the, old, the Lord of the Dead said, Well, bye. <laughs> and I'll tell you the same thing. Bye. Good night.